Welcome to the Built on Purpose podcast, where on each episode, we interview exceptional leaders, entrepreneurs, authors, philosophers, and some straight up interesting people to explore their outlook on life, work, and leadership. And now, here's your host, CEO and co-founder of Scouts, Max Hansen. Welcome back to episode 86 of the Built on Purpose podcast brought to you by Scouts. I'm your host, Max Hansen, the CEO of Scouts, where we find purpose aligned and performance proven leaders. Speaking of, today our guest is Gary Sanchez, also known as Dr. Y. Gary is the founder and CEO of the Y Institute, where they have helped hundreds of thousands of individuals discover their why. Gary aims to empower 1 billion people to discover their personal operating systems. Gary, welcome to the Built on Purpose podcast. Max, thanks for having me. This is going to be fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, for those of you listening, uh, I was just on Gary's podcast uh, about a week ago, and we had an amazing conversation. Uh, he was a very gracious host. And just to give you a little context, I'll start where he started. And we were at a uh, Genius Networking event, and Gary walked up to me and he said, hey, I think I know you from somewhere. So that's how we kind of started our uh, relationship. We didn't figure out how we knew each other, but we did figure out that Gary does know another guy that looks just like me, and he did figure that out. So we put that to rest. But the fact that I didn't know this guy before is uh, incredible. I feel like now that I've met him, uh, I've known him for years. Um, we went on that day that we met. We had lunch, and I sat down next to him, and I asked him, what do you do? And he told me he helps people discover their whys. And for those of you that been around the Wise Scouts brand and uh, known, you know, know us as the purpose-based leadership search firm. Our first tagline was, what's your why? And so there is so much alignment between Gary and I and how we think about things. And there's so many things that I'm excited about doing with uh, Gary in, in partnership with his tool and everything he's done. But uh, so that's our, that's the background. And um, before I go, before we get deeper into your background, because I do want your stories amazing. I do want to start out, uh, Gary, by just talking a little bit about uh, briefly about the Y Institute and tell us what you're doing with the YOS platform. And the reason why I always start there is some listeners, they might not listen to the entire thing. If they don't, I want them to understand what your business is and what you guys are doing. And then we'll get into your background as kind of a secondary and I'll mix the two if that's okay. Yeah. So Max, there's so many people that talk about the concept of why. There's so many gurus, so many experts that say, you got to know your why, you got to know your why. And that was kind of part of my story, which was I heard that so many times. And I became very, very frustrated with not being able to know my why. Yeah, it's great to say that. But how helpful is that when you have no way to get to your why? So we believe that knowing your why is the first step in self-awareness. And self-awareness is the first step in peak performance. So if you want to perform at the highest level, you got to know who you are. And in order to do that, you got to know your why. So I built the world's first and only why discovery tool that discovers your why in about five minutes. I've done more why discoveries, Max, than anybody in the world, and I'm only about 70% accurate. The why discovery is 100% accurate. And then last year or a year and a half ago, we launched the YOS discovery. We call your why, how, and what your YOS, why you do what you do, how you bring that to life, and what other people can count on from you. So the YOS discovery finds your why, how, and what, and creates your message for you in about eight minutes. And that's the one that you took. Yeah. We can jump into your YOS because I'm sure your audience knows you. And uh, I can put it into our terms and our words uh, if, if you want. But yeah, no, let's let's do that. We'll, we'll do your, we'll talk about yours and mine because they're obviously we have the same why, which also is very interesting that we uh, have the same why. <laughs> Uh, well, talk about this though. There's some language that I, that you've done an amazing job of clarifying it. Um, thank you. That was unbelievable. Talk about how YOS discovery not only reveals the intrinsic motivation, but how it also crafts your personal message. Cause I think that, that to me is kind of a differentiator. You kind of worded it where I understand that, but kind of like talk about how it also crafts your personal message. Okay. Perfect. So my why is to find a better way and share it. Right. And you as well. In everything we do, we are always in a never ending search for better. Thus, we both have podcasts. Um, how, how I do that is by making things clear first for myself and then for others. And then ultimately, what I bring is a simple solution. I have to make it simple. So for me, things have to be better, clear and simple. 
in order for me to want them. And if you're hiring me or working with me, you know that what I bring is going to be better, clear, and simple. And so that's not only my internal motivation, why I do what I do, but it's also my external message. It's all about better, clear, and simple. So if I were to create my own branding, it would be about helping people find a better way. Uh, how I do that is by making things clear and understandable. And ultimately, what I bring is a simple solution. So now you know why you would pick me, why you would choose me over everybody else who does what I do. That's what my dental practice was about. That's what uh, many of my inventions and products that I've developed over the years are all about, a better, clear, and simple way to do something. So in your case, your why is right is to find a better way. How you do that is by challenging the status quo, thinking differently, pushing limits, and ultimately what you bring is a trusted relationship, being that trusted source that other people can count on. So for you, it's got to be better, different, and create trust, impact the relationship. And if it does that, then it feels right to you, right? Absolutely. You know, every time we talk about it, it feels more and more right each time. Not that it hasn't been the first time. Yeah. As we talk about it, uh, it feels, you know, clearer each, each time. And it's absolutely right. Like as you talk about it, you just got me like staked right in the heart, uh, <laughs> you know, where it should be. You know, one of the things that in this, obviously, now that we know your why, you know, the, the or, you know, ultimately to, to simplify, which honestly, you know, some of the smartest people in the world will say, the hardest thing to do in business is to simplify. And you can make everything complex. Making things complex is easy. So, so for you to really, you know, be after what I think is one of the hardest things to do, and this is, you know, really uh, ultimately what you're going after is simplification. But I want to start with simplification. That what I like about the thing that I think is so important about assessments is the length of time that it takes for somebody to get their information. And so, talk about like how. Um, how much did that play into the role of, you know, obviously it's, it, it's, it's your, you know, ultimately what you're after, but how much did it play into your decision on how you created the platform? Very much so, because just to discover your why, there's over 1,500 possible question options. To discover your YOS, there's over 4,000. But I use logic-based programming because how many people want to answer 1,500 questions or 4,000 questions, right? Nobody. Nobody will do it. I don't want to do it. I don't want to answer 100 questions. I don't want to answer 50 questions. Think about going through an assessment and when you get to like question 50, you know, your neck is sore and you're just like, I don't even want to do this. I'm just going to get myself through it. It's kind of painful. So I wanted to have the fewest number of questions you could answer to get the actual result accurately and consistently. And so I used logic-based programming. And what that means is when you answer one question, it knows uh, what you answered and then wipes away the ones that you don't need to answer. So to get to your why, you only had to answer about 10 to 12 questions. To get to your YOS, you only had to answer about 32 questions. I could have done it in less, but uh, it goes a lot deeper as we can talk about uh, later than just your why, how, and what. There's a lot more in the back end to, to the information that you'll get. Let's say you're a coach and you're using it. There's more information. But essentially, 10 to 12 questions to get to your why, uh, 32 to 35 to get to your YOS. To me, that's super important because now when I speak at big events around the world, I can have the audience actually discover their why while I'm there, while they're there. So we can have a conversation about their why and not just a concept of why. How many more concepts do you want, Max, that uh, you can't get, that you can't do anything with? Do you need another one? <laughs> right. Well, you know, on the point that you're making, though, so when I met Gary, we were at a uh, Genius Network, which is a multi-day event. He left, went and spoke to a, a, an audience, had them all discover their whys, took them through the whole thing and came back. It was like he never even left. So. Uh, it, he's, he's walking the talk and, and, you know, he does this, uh, you know, with large audiences on this note that before we move on, I kind of want to know more about this, but I'm sure the audience does too. What about the, talk about the iterations of getting to the final version. What did it look like? Like how many different models did you go through? Like what were the major, like kind of sticking points or like, uh, kind of pylons that you passed like along the way to land at the final version, which you started to allude that it's not final. There might be some other stuff you can obviously do, but talk about the process to get to where you're at. 
Yes. So when I figured out my own why, maybe I should go back a little bit. Um, and, you know, I'm a dentist, right? Or I was a dentist. I was a dentist for 32 years. And when I got out of dental school, the advice the gurus were giving me at that time was build a great product and people will come. You know, go out and do the best job you can and people will naturally and mysteriously find out about you. So I did that. I spent 20 years getting to the highest levels you could get to in dentistry, studying with the best mentors, the best institute, building a beautiful facility, having all the technology, having all the a really well-trained team. I had all the stuff and we had a great product. But I still blend in with everybody else who said, yeah, I'm a dentist too. Nobody could tell really the difference. Even though we did different quality of work, people got used to that and they just assumed that's the way it was. I'm frustrated that my practice wasn't growing like I thought it would because of how much energy and effort and money and time that I put into it. I became very disillusioned. I thought, Max said, if I bought another piece of technology, took another course, did something outside of myself, yeah, that's going to bring me that success. And I soon realized that I had to look inward, say, why do I do what I do? What is that thing that makes me special? And that's when I went out and hired a coach. Well, I actually call, uh, that's when I heard about this concept of why. I saw Simon Sinek's TED Talk. I watched it probably 30 times. I read his book multiple times. And I said, man, that's what I'm missing. I got a great what, but I don't know my why. And so I called Simon. I said, Simon, I need you to help me discover my why. So he and I spent about eight months. This was back in 2009. He and I spent about eight months going back through my life looking for clues. He didn't really know how to do it either. We were just kind of working together trying to figure it out. And we kept going backwards in my life looking for clues as to why I do what I do. And I kept working with it and working with it. And finally, I figured out that my why, like yours, is to find a better way and share it. And once I realized that, my life made so much more sense to me. I've got lots of patents and products and inventions that are all better ways of doing things. And so I took what I learned from Simon. I took what I learned from some of my other mentors. I created a whyification process for my dental practice. And we stopped talking about what we do. We stopped talking about crowns and bridges and fillings and all that stuff that dentists do. And we started talking about why we do what we do and what we believe. And my practice took off. We started attracting all the right people that believed what we believed, that loved what we were about. And as my practice took off, I started getting calls from other dentists saying, hey, can you help me do what you did? And so I had to codify the process for what I had come up with and so that I could use it with other people. So I went back and figured out what Simon was trying to do, and I made it better. So instead of taking six or eight or 10 months to help someone discover their why, I could sit down with you, Max, and in about an hour, I could help you discover your why. And so I started doing this for anybody that would let me. Thousands of people on stages, on Skype, all over the world. So remember, I'm a dentist, right? So as you're getting numb in my chair, you're going to get your why discovered. <laughs> if you're sitting next to me on an airplane, you're going to get your why discovered. And I started to keep track of all the whys that I did, and I and I figured out that there's only nine different whys. And that was the most important thing that I discovered. There's nine different whys. And so once I figured that out, I could teach other people how to do what I was doing. I could teach other coaches how to do it. And then I could get lots and lots of data. And with that data, then I was able to develop the algorithm and then, and then develop the software where, like I said, you can go online now and discover your why in about five minutes. But here's the question, back to the question you asked me. So once I knew there were nine whys, and once I'd mind mapped how to get to that why, I then went out and hired a tech company to help me develop the software to be able to do it online. Because what I, what I was thinking about, Max, is if I'm really the only one that can do it, or if it takes an hour to do it, how long, how many people am I going to be able to impact in my entire life? Right? Not very many. And so how do we create a way where I don't have to be there to actually help someone discover their why? And that was with software. That's how you make it scalable. So I hired a tech team. And that was, if you ever want to slow things down to a halt, <laughs> hire a tech team. <laughs> hire an a software engineer. It was the most excruciating thing I'd been through. And every time we needed to change something or do something different, it cost me you know, another 5000 another 10000 another 5000 Man, it was frustrating. And I got so pissed off one weekend, Max, that I said, if that SOB can figure it out, I can figure it out. So I 
develop the algorithm, learn the software, and program the software in one weekend. Wow. I was like, they can do it, I can do it. And my next book's going to be called The Power of Pissed Off because I was so pissed off. <laughs> Think about what happens in your life when you get pissed off. And so I figured it out in one weekend, wrote the software, started testing it, super accurate, still the same thing that we use today. And that was back in 2014. So we've had hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people now go through it. And it's very accurate, very simple, very easy to use. But here's why. When I was helping people to discover their why, I didn't take what they said and filter it or vanilla size it or put it into my language. I left it in the words that they used. And that's why it's so recognizable. Someone with our why, Max, would have always said, I, I would ask them, you know, tell me a story about an interaction that made you feel successful. And they would start telling me different ways where they help people find a better way. And they'd always say, oh, I helped them find a better way. I helped them find a better way. So I didn't take that and turn it into innovate. I used to find a better way. So if you and I went to dinner and you ordered a hamburger and I said, Max, how does that hamburger taste? And you said, you know what, Gary, my hamburger sucks. And I said, sounds like you don't like it very much. You would say to me, no, that's not what I said. I said, this hamburger sucks. So if I don't say back to you what you say, then you don't recognize it as being real. So I left all the words there in the description and the characteristics and actually the naming of the why that people would say. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, you know what? I, I'm Now that I've seen it and seen mine and seen my wife's and we've talked about it, it makes a ton of sense. Uh, mm -hmm. You know? The, the more simple the words and the more, you know, people can kind of wrap their head, head around. Uh, it, it makes a ton more sense. At what point on this journey? I guess, let me start with the first question. I may, I'm being assumptive. Do you feel like you found your purpose in this work? For sure. For sure. At what point? What point? Many years ago is so what happened, Max, is as a dentist, once I figured out there were nine whys and once I saw Aha, after aha, after aha. And I started working with companies. And I've worked with over a thousand companies. Uh, we've done this with so many thousands of people now. I knew this is what I should be doing. And that was a big challenge for me because I had a very successful dental practice. I was only working three days a week at this point and making a lot of money and doing a lot of meaningful work for people. And it was hard for me to walk away. And so for many years, I had one foot in each thing, trying to be the best dentist I could be, but also trying to bring the YOS to the world. And I feel like I've solved a problem that people have been talking about forever, right? From the Bible to Mark Twain to Simon Sinek to Tony Robbins, people have been talking about this concept of why forever, and no one has ever figured it out. And I feel like I did. And so it, it became really my purpose to show the world a better way. This is a better way to know you, which is by discovering your why first. Start with your why, life becomes a lot easier. Don't start with your why, life becomes a lot more challenging, which we can get into later as well. But I had to come to the decision. I had to walk away from very lucrative, very great practice into something that I knew very little about. How, how does a dentist go to bringing something like this to the world? How does a dentist go to impacting a billion people? I didn't know how. I just yeah. knew it's what I had to do. What an amazing right? story. Yeah, what an amazing story. Uh, to give some framework to people that are listening, like so far, who has made your best clients to date? And the reason why I ask that question is for those that are listening, they can start saying, hey, this is how it could work for me. Uh, or for us, you know, t talk about like what your best client looks like. And then, then I do want to dig into some of this other stuff. I'd lo love to get into, you know, since our why is the same, maybe expose some of the other, you know, the other eight whys besides better way and just kind of talk about them because I think when you talk about it, it becomes more clear for me. And so I, I would love to, you know, just start talking about some of the more prevalent. Maybe the most rare uh, why uh, to the most popular to you know to kind of what they are, but uh, talk about your most ideal client to date. Like where is this spreading the fastest and being the most effective? 
Yeah, so the, the, the sequence that we're going in right now is working first with coaches because coaches are already in the space. My, my goal is not, not to compete with people. My goal is to enhance what they're already doing. So we're looking for coaches that believe what we believe. We're looking for businesses that believe what we believe. And what we believe is that knowing your why, and in this case, YOS, is the first step to take. If you're trying to figure out your passion, your purpose, your direction, your messaging, your marketing, your branding, the place that you start is by knowing your why. If you're trying to figure out who to hire, know their YOS, and you'll know exactly if they're the right fit, exactly where to place them, right? Put the right person on the bus and in the right seat. It's a great concept. How do you do it? Well, once you know their YOS, very easy. What you're looking for is somebody that uh, loves to do that, not just can do it or has the skill to do it, but loves doing it. That's how you build an inspired team. And so once you know their YOS, that all becomes a lot easier. So back to your question. Yeah. Number one, we're looking for coaches, consultants, creative agencies, HR departments that believe what we believe. Secondly, we're looking for CEOs, entrepreneurs, business owners that want to bring this to their organization so that they can build their team based on their YOS. They want to build an inspired team and they want to create the right message. There's a process for doing that. And then third, we're going to go, not yet, but we're going to go directly to the general public, people that are lost. That You know how there's so many people, Max, that struggle to figure out who they are and why they do what they do, you know, whether they're teenagers, whether they're stay-at-home moms coming back to the workforce, whether that's somebody who's retiring. And when they try to do it, it becomes overwhelming because there's so many different types of assessments out there. Myers-Briggs, Strength Finders, Colby, DISC, you go on and on. They're really good. All those are really good. But those are how you take action and not why you take action. If you start with your why, the rest becomes a lot easier. If you don't start with your why, the rest becomes a lot harder. And you end up jumping from how to how to how. I need another assessment. I need another assessment. I need another one. Start with a why and then use that. So, you know, you and I were talking. You have a lot of great assessments and that you use at Y Scouts. And so if you start with the YOS first, then the other assessments become even more valuable. So. We're looking for people like you too. <laughs> no, absolutely. Well, well, we're 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 climbing on board. I mean, it's just it, it's just yeah. the process of getting on board, and I can't wait. It goes so perfectly with the Y Scouts branding, and for everybody that knows, I mean, I know I shared this with you, and I probably shared it earlier too. But our first, you know, when we branded the company, it was all about we used to we used to go to company to company. We'd have people write their why, why they do what they do. Mine was to help others better succeed. And you would hold it up and they take a picture. And that was our marketing campaign. We just had pictures of people holding up their why. So, I mean, we believe the same thing. I mean, our, our whole process is based around doing purpose discovery, purpose and values discovery, and then into, you know, skills discovery after that. And we didn't like, I don't know if I've ever shared this with you, but we do believe that you can't do it the other, the reverse order in the hiring process. Meaning once they know what you want to hear, once they know what the role is, what the job is, like uh, in the U.S. in particular, people have just like they're going to tell you kind of what you want to hear versus like what matters most to them. So the, what we have found is, you know, we we take everybody through a covert process. We start asking like what matters most to them before we start asking and telling them about the specifics in the role because we 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 feel like it can't be, uh, you can't do it in the reverse. Like once you've told them everything you want to hear. Most people in the United States have been trained, whether they know it or not, to just tell you what you want to hear in order to get the job. So you're 100% right on that. I mean, like this is, you're, you're speaking our language. I would be shocked if, you know, in, in a matter of months from now that we're not, you know, working at a high level together with everybody we work with on their leadership teams and with people that are going through our process. And this is, I'm not saying that just because of this conversation. Gary and I have met each other, you know, a couple, two, three months ago. And so there's been a little bit of uh, past uh, that we have had together in talking this through. But I think absolutely that assessments in particular, the more questions, the more complex it gets. And to be quite honest with you, one of the things that we've always done and what we do is we make the client experience good. And making the client experience good means 
making it you know as easy as possible to get to where you need to get to. And that's what we're talking about here is like, let's figure out what each person's you know individual uh, why is, and then we'll go from there. Talk about some of the other uh, whys, the other eight whys, and people because when you start to when you started to talk about that with me, and I started looking at them, I started to really understand why it'd be important for somebody that you know is like you and I, a better way to have somebody that you know might be right way. Um, so talk about some of the other the good collaborative combos that you know kind of pop up from this. For sure. And before we go there, here's a, an example of what you brought up. So your why is to find a better way. How you do that is by challenging, thinking outside the box, challenging the status quo. And ultimately, ultimately what you bring is a trusting relationship where other people can count on you. But let's say you were applying at my business and I look at your resume and it looks like, and you write in there that you're, you're really good with numbers and probably you are, but I would say, okay, well then let's stick Max over here in bookkeeping. Max is going to be our new bookkeeper. So he's good with numbers. We're going to throw him into bookkeeping. Could you do, could you be a good bookkeeper? Uh, for like five minutes, probably. Exactly. So that's what I'm getting at. You could do the job. And based on your skills and capabilities, Max is great with numbers. We're sticking that guy over in bookkeeping. But I know better way and challenge, not a chance you're going to want to be in bookkeeping for very long. So how long will it take you to run out of energy? I'd probably pull the shoot, you know, a couple of days in. I mean, a couple of days in, right? And then what are you going to do? I'd be bored to death. I'd either quit or go, you know, tell whoever if I wasn't the person in charge, let's say I wasn't, I'd go find the person and say, I got to do something else. I got this is driving me crazy. Or you're going to start causing trouble or you're going to who knows what you're going to do. Right. But based on your capabilities. Yeah, that seems like a great thing. But based on your YOS, we know it's a horrible thing for you because it'll tells you where you're going to have energy. But put you in a place where you get to think bigger and push limits and imagine extraordinary and and create things, how would that feel to you? Yeah, way better. Like now we're talking. Now we're talking about visionary, like bigger, bigger things that can impact a lot more people. Now all of a sudden that starts to feel like something that's fun and I'm good at. Yep. Humble. I say that very humble. Yeah. And based on your YOS, we would know that about you. We'd know exactly where to put you, where you're going to find your passion. You're going to love what you're doing and match that up with your skills. Okay, now we got something fun for you. Now we got an inspired person there that has unlimited energy for that. He's not going to run out of energy. This is his lane. Put him in his lane. Wonderful. Put him where he's capable of doing it. May be wonderful, may not be wonderful. And so that's what really makes it so valuable. And you can get there really, really quickly. You don't need to spend hours and hours and hours trying to figure that out. You'll know instantly based on their YOS if this is the right person for this job. So it saves you a ton of time. You don't need five other assessments. You'll know right away. So when we, when we work with people, when we hire people, when we bring them in, we already know based on their YOS if they're going to be the right one for the position that we have. So here's the position. Here's the YOS that would work great for. Do they have it? Yes, no, no. Let's not even interview them because we just know it's not going to be the right position for them. Yeah. Could they do it? Maybe. Are they going to love it? No. Do I want somebody who doesn't love what they're doing? No. So it becomes a lot simpler. Yeah. yeah. So on that note, talk about like what does, what have you seen would make the best COO or like second in command or executor? You know, there's usually a visionary in a traditional sense. And then there's somebody that executes at a high level. Talk about that, the, the, the why and, you know, kind of the YOS of a really good executor for a business. Okay, so let me go through the nine whys with everybody so you, you know them, and then I'll tell you what we've seen. Since we've done this with so many companies, I can tell you what I've seen in the best companies. So, and I can tell you what I've seen in the ones that don't work very well. So the nine whys, the first why is contribute. So if you happen to be listening when you're sitting down, just write down contribute. To contribute to a greater cause, add value, have an impact in the lives of others. These are people that want to help. They don't have to be the focus, but they want to contribute in a meaningful way. They use their time, their money, their energy, their connections to push other people forward. The most successful person I've ever worked with, both financially as well as relationship-wise, uh, was the CEO of a company called T. Rowe Price. 
he took it from 12 billion to 565 billion. And I asked him one day, I said, I don't know that I should use his name because he hasn't given me the okay to use it on here, but I said, why have you been so successful? And he said, I believe the secret to my success is that I personally interviewed everyone that works for me, and I have 6,000 employees. He said, I know something about every one of them. And when I can help each one do a little bit better, then we all do a little bit better. And that's been the secret to my success. And so that's the first why I contribute. The second why is trust, to create relationships based upon trust, to be the trusted source to be the one that others can count on. If they can trust you and you can trust them, the sky's the limit. There's nothing you can't do. But if you break their trust, very unlikely you will ever get that back. So it's really important to know. If you have an appointment with them at 2 o'clock, you need to show up at 1.55. You don't want to be showing up at 2.05. You don't want to tell them a little white lie. You don't want to push those limits with them. So the second why is trust. The third why is make sense to make sense out of things, especially if complex or complicated. These are people that are really good at solving problems. You can pretty much dump all your stuff onto them, and they'll quickly synthesize it down to that thing that's keeping you stuck. So they help you move forward by helping you solve your problems, and usually very, very quickly. The fourth why is better way, to find a better way and share it. This is uh, Max's and my why. These are people that are always looking to improve things, always make things better, innovate, take something that's already there and improve upon it. They're rarely satisfied and they're always looking to move things forward in a better way. The fifth why is right way, right way, to do things the right way in order to get predictable and consistent results. These are structure, process, systems people. They find things that work and then they stick to them because they because they know they'll get predictable and consistent results. The sixth why is challenge, to challenge the status quo and think differently. These are people that think outside the box. They don't follow the rules. They don't draw inside the lines. They don't even see the box. People like Steve Jobs, Richard Branson, that think bigger, imagine extraordinary. These are the ones with the purple hair that just don't like to follow the rules. The seventh why is mastery. Mastery, to seek mastery and understanding. These are people that like depth and breadth and detail. They take the simple and make it complex by diving in really deep. Um, the eighth why is clarify. Clarify, to make things crystal clear and understandable. First, they need to get clear on what was the question. Then they need to get clear on what the answer is. They're the one that writes you the long email or the long text because they want to be fully understood. And the last why is simplify to take the complex and break it down to its simplest form because when it's simple, it's easy for everyone to understand. Don't give me the fluff. Don't give me the extra. Just hit me with it. They're direct and to the point. So those are the nine whys real quickly. And you ask the question, which one would be the right why for somebody that's a COO? And I can tell you that the best companies that we've worked with have somebody with the why of right way as their COO, right way. They are structure, process, systems people. They're the no person. They're the max. That sounds good, but not right now. We're not going to take that. 400th idea that you have and try to implement it right now. We already said we're going to do this. Let's stick to this until we get it done. Let's create the structure and process around making it consistent. And then we can look at that other new idea that you've come up with. Does that make sense? Oh, totally makes sense. And the other thing that I want to preface, and I, I think you would say as well, is that not every, you know, CEO or visionary, like, and so I, I'm hesitant to even use those terms because people, not that I think, uh, you know, I, I like Gino Wickman and the traction model. I think that, you know, the way he uses that makes sense. But in some cases, yeah. I've talked to a lot of CEOs that are, they're not always a lot, they're visionary more times than not, but sometimes they're not. Sometimes they need somebody to compliment them. And so I think, you know, Cameron Harold just wrote his second in command book. He outlines this pretty well. Um, the, the, uh, uh, he talks about Gino Wickman's, uh, definition of 
of an integrator. And that's like one of nine different types of COOs. But it all matters. What matters most and why this system is so effective, I can imagine, is that it all matters the combination with the leader and the leadership team. Because there's some leaders, you know, it's it's not to say that a CEO can't be a right way person, but to execute at a high level, they would need somebody to balance them out, you know, with the, you know, a complimenting, uh, you know, uh, uh, why, but so, t- and then talk about how the, talk about the how and the what, how does that come into play once you've understood your why, just to give the audience an idea of like how, how simple, but complex it is. I mean, it makes it simple. It helps simplify it, but how it can, you know, how many different combinations there are with these nine different, uh, whys and how they turn into how and what's. What we haven't shared yet, Max, is that one of the nine whys is your why, one of the nine whys is your how, and one of the nine whys is your what. So in your case, it was better way, challenge, trust. So the why, so your why is better way, how you do it is by challenging the status quo and what you bring is a trusting relationship. In my case, it was better way, clarify, simplify. Got to be better, clear, and simple, right? So the reason that the YOS discovery takes more questions, up to 35, is that it actually goes nine levels deep. If we were having a workshop right now, somebody, one of you listeners would have raised your hand by now, and you would have said, hey, uh, Gary, you know, I feel like I'm more than just one of those whys. And that's really the truth. You are. You are all nine of them, and to different degrees. And so the YOS discovery puts them all in the right order of most like you to least like you, and that becomes your why, how, and what. And then we know from there, based on the rest of the remaining six, what's really important to you and what's not at all important to you. What word choices you need to hear, your decision-making process, which is your why, how, and what, and what you don't care at all about, what we don't have to talk about. And so it really gives a lot more depth than even what we share just because we don't want to overwhelm people right away and try to go nine levels deep. But as a coach or as somebody like yourself, Max, you'll be able to see that real quickly and understand these are the words that I need to use to communicate effectively with this person. This is how, you know, there's the, there's the golden rule and the platinum rule, right? Oh. The golden rule is treat others the way you want to be treated. And what if they don't want to be treated like you want to be treated, right? And the platinum rule is treat others the way they want to be treated. And so how do you do that? Well, if you know their YOS, you'll know exactly how they want to be treated, what language they speak, and exactly how to connect and communicate with them so they feel heard. And that comes from knowing the YOS. But yeah, one of the nine is your why, one of the nine is your how, and one of the nine is your what. You know what I I think about as a better way uh, person is, I thought I was thinking about like, I want to find out what my ninth is because I want to make that better because that's going to be my, that's to be a complete person understanding the system. Where do I, where do I need to improve? Like what is furthest away from my why? That's just me as a, you know, a better way person thinking about that. Yeah. yeah. And then you gave me an example. There was a, a a friend, a mutual friend, a friend of yours that you introduced me to business owner and he's better way too, but he's so better way that he switched it to way better. So I love that. Yes, I did. So, it and I'm like, now I understand why. I mean, this guy knows every like a lot about everything. I, he's an awesome guy that I met. Uh, but, you know, it's, like once you understand your why you really like now that I understand it, I kind of chuckle at myself like, well, of course, because I'm always just looking for a better way. You can hand me something that's awesome already. I'm like, well, what do we do? What else can we do to it? Uh, so I think it's yeah. uh, I think that there's a lot there. So do, do, do coaches use it that way? Will they look at it and say, hey, you know, to help people understand their weaknesses or I wouldn't call it a weakness, but the thing that's furthest away from their, you know, their why. Yeah. And you know what, Max? There's so much um, that we don't know yet. There's so much more depth that is coming. And I'm learning a lot from all, all of the coaches that use this every day. You know, like even today we had a coach uh, event. Um, and I learn from the coaches every time we all get together, they'll tell me different ways that they're utilizing it. So that's a great example. One of our coaches said ex- almost exactly what you said. I focused on my number nine because if I can improve number nine, I, it changes everything for me. So I'll give you an example. 
um, it was a gal that works in the government and she, her number nine was actually trust, which is very rare to have the ninth most important thing to you being trust. And she said she was talking to her husband about it and she was struggling to close deals, close, close contracts with the government. And he said, well, why don't you focus on trust? Because that's so low for you. Focus on how you can create more trust. And so she said she did. The next week, she ch- she closed a $300 million deal. Crazy. Wow. Because she said, and I said, how did that happen? She said, because all I, how can I create trust with these people? Because I'm not very good at that. And so there's things like that that I don't even know yet. We're still continually learning and continually building. And there's more and more stuff coming every single day. And so... I know the most about the nine whys, and that's why I've partnered with so many coaches that are out there in the field using it and teaching us more and more about the different ways to use it. You're going to find things that I never thought about, especially with the why of better way. You're going to come to me and say, let me show you show you how I'm using this, and it'll be a better way than what I thought of. So it's fascinating. It's it's a great journey. And, you know, like you said, our our, our our goal is to impact a billion people in the next 15 years, and we're on pace for that now. But I'm going to learn so much along that way, and we're all going to learn so much. It's kind of a, a sharing of, of the knowledge as we continue to grow. So I don't have every answer. Yeah, what I'm looking forward to the most, and you know, I, I shared this with you, is uh, what it's going to look like. So our process, it's a multi-stakeholder approach. So we're we're trying to figure out from the leadership team, how much we know about the leadership team. So we know where this person fits in. But when you start mixing, you know, more than two people, call it three, uh, you know, I'm sure that the complexities, you know, they, it gets, it gets, you know, can get complex very fast when you start having, you know, three, four, five, six people and trying to figure out kind of what that looks like. To me, that's going to be fascinating to find out. And I think we're going to be learning that together. Uh, you probably know some of you run into this a little bit, but. That's what you know. We're going to be doing on the sea level is really figuring out what combos work the best. You know, when you have, you know, when you have a certain combo of people, like what is going to be the next one, not only for the role, but in to really round out the team, which I think is super interesting. And just for the people that are listening, um, we've got some more time. We got about fifty more minutes. But the the website to go f- to to go find your why is whyinstitute.com. Just, I just want to throw it out there just if you're listening. And if I was listening, I'd, I would be on the computer trying to figure it out right now. So let me just save you a, a minute uh, of Googling. But whyinstitute.com, find your why. It takes literally five minutes and you're off and running. It comes, it's it's beautifully done. Uh, so just want to throw that out there. Uh, and so talk about, um, I, w- I do want to get into a couple other things. So I, I want to stay on this and, and kind of come back to it. But I think there's another fascinating thing about you. So when Gary first met me, he thought he recognized me. And one of the things, he's like, do you play racquetball? So I had to find out real quick that Gary, uh, he's pretty good at racket sports. In fact, I'd say not pretty good, like incredible at racket sports, incredible hand-eye coordination and incredible racquetball was, you know, kind of a game that he dominated in. Now it's squash because it's a little bit more common, I think. But talk about, I want to like talk about that. I don't, I want to run out of time and not talk about like kind of the competitiveness that got you kind of fiery and probably to the point of really figuring this all out. In my opinion, it's like you had to do some things in life where you're really competitive and really, you know, got to taste the juices. And I think one of them was sports. I think you swing a golf club pretty damn good from what I've heard. We'll play together (laughs) and you'll show me. We were able to play pickleball the other day and he's just kind of like, just barely even playing. I'm running all over trying to chase the ball around. And we had a great time. I tried to give him a broken racket and I still couldn't beat him. But talk about your, you know, talk about your experience uh, at pickleball. And then I have a couple other questions just from your background of going to USC and maybe what your parents did. And because I'm always interested, like when somebody goes to a really good school, like that gets a good education. I'm always like, what did their parents do? Like, how did they figure out how to get to a good college like that? But first of all, start, start with your uh, with with racquetball and how your career kind of in racquetball has gone. Yeah, so, you know, way back when I was uh, young, you know, five, six years old, basketball was my sport. Man, I was 100% sure I'm going to be an NBA basketball player, just like we all thought. And, of course, by the time I was 14 years old, I hadn't grown. I didn't grow. I grew really late. In fact, I was so small, Max, 
that my parents took me to the doctor to get growth hormone shots to try to get me to grow. So at like age 14, I think I was like five feet tall, maybe not even five feet. And so, you know, the odds that a five foot tall kid's going to be a dominant basketball player, pretty low, pretty low. Um, it was still my thing and I was still pretty good at it, but I realized I'm not going to get that big. And right along that time is when racquetball came along. Racquetball was the, it, for those of you that are a little older, you'll, you will know that racquetball was the, the fastest growing sport in the U.S. Everybody was playing racquetball. Courts were popping up all over. And so I switched from basketball to racquetball. My dad was a handball player and he built the first mega club in Albuquerque. So I used to sweep the cords, clean the toilet. I, I moved my way up to the snack bar and then I, I went all the way up to the front desk, which I was pretty proud of. But I was always there practicing and practicing and practicing. So basketball was not going to be my thing. So I had to find a better way where height didn't matter. And that was racquetball. And as soon as I got into racquetball, I picked the best player I could find and I just copied his swing. The better way is to find somebody who else is already doing it and copy him. So I used to stand in front of a mirror for hours and hours just by myself, practicing my swing until it was just the way, as good as the guy that I was trying to emulate. And then I figured out how to do it better. And so I went on to uh, play quite a bit of racquetball. Uh, I ended up being the world champion in racquetball, which, um, you know, was quite a few years ago from now. And then once I got to that level, I thought, you know what? I'm only going to get worse. And so what's a better way? I'm going to switch to another sport that I don't know. And so I switched over to squash. Um, and so if those of you who have never played either, uh, racquetball, the better you get in racquetball, the shorter the points become, the more it's just about ripping and hitting the ball really hard. And then in squash, the better you get, the longer the points are. So if racquetball was a sprint, squash would be more like a marathon. And so I've kind of worked my way along in, in racket, in squash. But of course, it, now I'm, you know, I'm 60 years old. So I'm too old to really be the dominant player in, in squash, except for in my own age group. So we'll see. This year, I'm going to play in the uh, world championships in squash for the first time and we'll see how I do. I don't know, but competing has always been my thing. It's always been, let's figure out a better way to get the best results. And better way just comes up over and over and over in my life. And I'm, I'm guessing it, well, I know it has with you as well, because I know your, your, uh, athletic journey as well. You know, very similar, right? Figured out this wasn't going to be it. Got to do something different. This wasn't going to be it. Got to do something different. Yeah. yeah. I think I'm stuck on like just getting better at working out, which is uh, <laughs> kind of fun, but it like it's not good for my golf swing. So I'm trying to figure that out. I'll find a better way to make it so it parlays into a better golf swing. Well, the 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 racquetball swing is almost the same as the golf swing. So for me to transition from racquetball into golf was very easy to do. I, I ended up being our golf club champion because that's uh it's very similar and in in uh, racquetball my thing was power i could hit the ball really hard so in golf it translated over to hitting the ball really hard and really far so they're very similar but the mindset behind it all was always about finding a better way and i didn't know that until i discovered my why and and, you know, there's something else I want to address, if we can, Max, because this will be pretty, I think this can be very appropriate for the people that are listening. If you look back on your own life, at least if I look at my life, when I was young in high school, I didn't, people would say, so where do you want to go to school? Or like, what do you want to do with your life? I don't know. How am I supposed to figure that out? Well, where do you want to go to school? I don't know. I'm just, I don't even know how to figure that out. So I just went off to the University of Colorado in Boulder because I had some friends going there and I went and had a good time when I went and visited them. I said, okay, I'll go here. But it wasn't for any other really reason. And I went with a, with the um, degree or the, the major of being undeclared. And so I was undeclared to the last minute I could be undeclared until they finally said, you got to figure out what your major is going to be. No idea how to do that. I almost went through an emotional breakdown or a mental breakdown trying to figure that out. So I went and worked with some counselors. That wasn't very helpful. I just picked biology because I had a good grade in it. So now I'm a biology major. Got that done. 
But then six months later, they said, well, what are you going to do with your biology degree? Well, I don't know. What am I supposed to do with it? So you have to figure that one out. So I just ended up going to dental school because my dad was a dentist. And I really didn't know what else to do. I lived life by default. And so then I became a dentist. And now, and then I go off to dental school, had a great time in dental school. And then you get out and you start accumulating things. Wife, kids, houses, cars, stuff. And now, man, you are locked into that. You got to pay for all that stuff. And so I don't know that dentistry was ever what I should have done. In fact, I don't think it was. But I just live life by default like a lot of us do. And then we get to that age where we say, this isn't what I should be doing. I should be doing this. And I went in and then I switched directions. But for me, that was at age 50. What if I would have known at age 20 or before what my why was and where I'm going to find my passion and what I should be doing and what direction I should go? Think of the runway I would have had. Instead of from 50 to now, if I had it from 20 to now, what I really could have done, what could you do if you knew? And that's why I really want to help high school and college-age kids figure out their why now so they get the longest runway to do what they were meant to do, not at age 50, not at age 60, not at age 70, but at 20. I didn't have that ability. I didn't have any way to make those decisions. I didn't have anyone to help me. So I just let it ride, see where I end up. And I don't think that's the best way to do it. No, not at all. Yeah. You have kids. Yes. And and, and we're at this point. My uh, son is going off to college. He knows the college. He's, you know, decided on SMU or TCU, but he's about 90% SMU, which is in uh, Dallas. And he, you know, he told me, I asked him what he's majoring in, and I didn't really want to push him. You kind of want people to figure out for themselves. At the same time, I know a little bit about, you know, hiring and what people end up doing and why they end up doing it. So he's choosing to go to the business school and, um, and he's going to get a finance and like he's going to double major in some probably finance and marketing or something like that. But I don't, I'm going to have him take the YLS. Like I didn't, you know, I, I, I thought about it, but now that we're talking, I'm going to, I'll make sure that it happens. I did have him take, he'd just been dragging his feet. I did have him take a, a TTI assessment, which is like disc and motivators, but like helping him, giving him power on, you know, what his why is and really figuring that out. I'd love to do that. I think the earlier you can figure it out, the better. So if you would have figured it out when you were 20, what do you think? You, like, let's say you could reconstruct your life, which like, let's, the games, the gate, the rules aren't that you'd have to like not have a wife and not have kids and all that. So we don't hurt people's feelings here, but. How would you reconstruct or what would you have done different, you think, you know, based on knowing your why back then, if you, you know, and, and, and I don't know if this is even healthy to go back because you can't, you can't really, but just trying to play it out for the audience. Yeah. If I could go back and do it over again, I think I would have gone into commercial real estate because I think that, um, this fits me perfectly. Finding properties that are need to be, need to find a better way, right? You find a property that's, that's uh, having problems, whether that's financially or whether that's structurally or whether that's what, cosmetically, and you make them better and then resell them or release them or whatever you need to do. But, and, and people that live, that have, that are in commercial real estate seem to have the best lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And there's so many things about it that I would have liked. I was stuck in an app, in a practice for 32 years. I couldn't leave. I couldn't move. I, it, and it was so expensive to not be there that I always had to be there. So I would have done it totally differently had I known. Um, you know, I can say that, but at the same at the same time, being a dentist is what allowed me to figure out all the whys, which allowed me to do what I'm doing now. So it's a catch twenty two, right? Yeah. Um, but if I if I could have gone back and really thought about it, that's probably the direction I would have gone. Would have gone. Got it. Got it. Here's the important thing. Here's the really important thing I want people to get. When what you do is in line with why you do what you do, you will have passion for what you do. Let me say that again. When what you do is in line with your why, you will have passion for what you do. And passion is the fuel. That gives you the energy to pursue your dreams. Without passion, you don't have anything. Without passion, you'll quit. With passion, you'll make it happen. You'll stick to it. You'll persevere. And that's why passion is so critical. So with your kids, 
make sure that what they choose to do is in line with their why, and they'll love it. If it isn't in line with their why, they could do it, but they're going to run out of energy. So let's say that your son's why is to challenge the status quo. We'll just use why for now. His his why is to challenge the status quo. Think differently. Think outside the box. Do not follow the rules. And he tells you, I, I had this happen with two of my patients. And both of them said they were going into accounting. Accounting. And I told them both, I said, I wouldn't do that. That's not where you're going to have fun. Well, it seems like that's where I should go. That's where my parents think I should go. They both did it. Miserable. Horrible. They hate it. There's nothing in there that they can think differently the way they've at least approached it. They would have been great for marketing. They would have been great for pushing the limits, for creating things. But they ended up in something that didn't give them that ability. And so if with your son, if what he does is in line with his why, he's going to, if what he chooses is in line with his why, he's going to love it. If he doesn't, he could do it, but he's going to run, run out of energy. Well, we're going to make get sense. Down. Yeah, we're going to get him to figure out his why right away because uh, his mom uh, is an attorney, which is far different. I'm sure she's, you know, probably more <laughs> right way or clarify or, you know, something just because she, she she's a double, she's a master's in accounting and then she's an attorney like he's his he needs to we need to figure him out because i'm far from that and you know if he goes down that path he's probably not going to be happy if he's wired like me or vice versa uh i would think so no we'll do that i i appreciate that i right when i get off here i'm going to go rattle his door and tell him like get on there and, and let's get you going on it um uh, eight minutes a couple things that i, I want to start wrapping up with is um we always ask because i i think you know you've obviously being uh, you know, an athlete, a competitor and, and, you know, winning and, and having a successful dental practice and now building a, su- a successful company based on your why. What things do you do? Like personal habits do, would you share, uh, that keep you, you know, kind of going in the right direction? Uh, in personal habits, daily routines, anything like that. I usually ask at some point all of our guests this question and, and all of them have some interesting things that they can share that the audience can walk away with. Well, for one, I join masterminds like you do and work because I love being around people that push me, people that are smarter than me, people that think bigger than I do, people that have already been where I'm trying to go. And um, so that's one for sure. But the second thing is really having a good morning routine because I try to automate things that like staying in shape. Right. I don't get it. You don't get up and wonder, should I brush my teeth or think about brushing your teeth? Right. You just get up, brush your teeth and your teeth are brushed. It's the same thing with for me working out. So I have a specific morning routine that I've done for the last 35 years. And it's not that I wanted to do it that way, but it just became the only way I could do it. And then it's become now a habit. So I get up in the morning, uh, of course, brush my teeth and then I'm <laughs> off to the gym. You know, so I'm there by six, do my whatever the workout is for that day. And then at seven uh, or 7.15, I start, I journal and I read something in prayer. And so there's just a lot of things that uh, I do the same every day so that it's not a weather, uh, not a question of whether I'm going to do it. It's um, when, you know, that, that I'm going to do it because without those things to start my day, it just wouldn't feel right. And the other thing is really scheduling my time, you know, block scheduling my time. Um, what I'm, what I heard some other people talk more about that I wish I was doing, and that is my plan to do is plan your life first and then your business around it. And maybe you're really good at that, but sometimes I get too caught up into the business aspect of it. Uh, and I don't have enough of my life. You know, I don't plan enough life. So I love, I think it was, um, Oh, what's his name? Uh, that is married to the gal that, that started Spanx. I'm trying to remember oh, what his uh, name is. Jesse, uh, I, I, Jesse. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I heard him say that. So plan your, plan your life and then plan your business around your life. Oh, you, you yeah. So Scott, I, I, I like that guy. He's got this like gigantic calendar that you yes. basically plan your in every day of an entire year. He plans out and that's how he gets stuff done. And I think that there's a lot of uh, truth to that. And, you know, I, that's one thing that I think I've gotten better at, but I, you know, I, I still could do better as I say yes to too many things. 
you know, I'm getting better as I get older to say no, but it's, you know, I've had to learn some hard lessons and, you know, I like to win. I like to compete. And sometimes, you know, that in find a better way, sometimes I chase that to the point where I just run out of time. And, uh, so I guess, you know, we, we all do that. Uh, since you're a little older than me, I'll take your advice. <laughs> but man, well, this, guy, yeah. this guy is like, he's six years old, but he's, he's in better shape than probably most guys in their thirties. I'm not even kidding you. So, uh, so I, <laughs> for what it's worth, I'm not just saying that to be nice. I mean, this guy is an animal for, uh, for any age, yet alone he's 60, but, uh, what else? Any any other things that you would share? I mean, th- you've shared so many nuggets. This has been amazing. I might even have you on again, just because there's a lot of stuff that I w- would get into that I think might be applicable. But anything else that you'd want to share with our audience that might be applicable with what you're doing, how you're doing it, or what you know things that you might want to share just before we start uh, tying it up here? Yeah, you know, this is something that on my podcast I had uh, this guy named Paul Allen who started Ancestry.com, and I asked him. You know, what's the most, uh, what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? And he said to me something that kind of struck me odd when he first said it. And now the more I've been thinking about it, the more valuable it's become. And he said, don't take advice from somebody who doesn't think like you do. Hmm. And when he first said that, I was like, that's a little weird. Well, why would I not want to take advice from somebody who doesn't think like you do? And, and he said, well, Gary, that, and he has his wise better way as well. And he said, well, that's why I really like to talk to you, because when you say something, I know it's going to work for me because we think the same way. When somebody else who has a different why gives me advice, I understand it and it might be really interesting, but it probably isn't going to work for me because that's not how I think. And I was like, wow, that makes a lot more sense to me. So I try to find people that think like I do, because if they give me advice, it's probably going to work for me. Like my wife, who doesn't think like me, can give me some advice, probably isn't going to, I'll understand what she's saying, but it, probably A, I'm not going to do it because I don't think that way. And B, it's probably not going to work for me because that's just not how my brain works. And so I try to find people, you know, I'm continually learning, continually reading, continually um, trying to improve better way, but not to take advice from people that don't think like, in this case, you and I do. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. I love that. Thanks for sharing. I have one more bonus question. And you might not, you may know I'm asking this, but I hope you'll shoot me straight. So is it good to have the same why as your wife? Is it good or bad? <laughs> so Max and his wife have the same why. But they have different how and different what. And so it's, uh, uh I'm going to say yes, especially since she's probably going to listen to this. And, uh, or if not, you're going to show, you're going to have her listen to it. But here's the thing. If you know, let's say to all of your friends, Max, you're really organized. You're really detail oriented and you're structured. But your wife is OCD structured, OCD organized, OCD and all of those things. For your friends, you're really organized, but compared to your wife, you're a slacker, right? So your why is better way and hers is better way. So one of you is more better way than the other. And Mm. so sometimes it's hard to recognize because let's say, well, I know that for sure that it fits you to a T. I didn't get to spend enough time with her to know, but you would know. So maybe in relation to her, you're less about, uh, she's less better way than you are. Uh, but to all of her friends, she's very much better way. Am I making sense? Yeah, I know you're making exa- You're making sense. And it's like you're, you kind of know, uh, you know her and you know us. She is very OCD. Like, very oh. OCD. And, and like, so I, she always jokes around that I'm kind of messy, but I, uh, I always feel like, uh, the best way to describe, I think that there's a, there's doing the right things and doing things right. That's what I always say, right? Now we're talking about, you know, we're talking about some of the whys here, but I, if I had to break it down to two, I always ask people, you know, what's more important to you? So you see which side they fall on. And when you, when you run a business as an entrepreneur, I, I think it's about, you know, doing the right things. You, you can't do everything right. Otherwise you'll never get anything enough done. That, that's my opinion. So, 
uh, you know, so she's much different. And that's why this interests me, by the way, because I have run, you know, her disc and her motivators behaviors, and she's much different than me, but we have the same why. And I think it's much more accurate. So I just say, just based yep. off my like litmus tests on my you know small sample size of me and my wife, like it, it throw, it throws in the face of a normal assessment. If you're talking about the actual why, because I think the, the how she does things different to your point. And so, uh, so I think that's where it starts to make sense. And that's where I'm starting to, you know, draw the conclusions that, Hey, you're absolutely right. Why you do things is kind of different than how, and almost every assessment out there is, is helping you figure out how your work style, you know, how you're wired, but how you do things, not why you do things. And I think this is fascinating. And, uh, I can't thank you enough for spending the time and, uh, anything else you want to share before we part ways? Yeah, I did. I was going to, I was going to say this. Um, a little bit of chocolate's good. Too much chocolate's not so good, unless you're a chocoholic. But it's that's the thing about our why. Every one of the whys has great things about them, and every one of the whys has challenges that come with them, and every one of them has solutions and so solutions to those challenges. So imagine if every conversation you had, all you could do was tell somebody that, well, what they said, there's something better than that. There's something better than that. Something better than that. How much fun would you be to be around for one? And how successful do you think you'd be? So a little bit of chocolate's good. Too much chocolate's not so good. So when you are able to figure out when people want a better way and when they don't, when they just want to be heard or when they don't need that better way, that's when it becomes even more powerful for you. And so what I, what, what's important to know is not only the great things about your why, but the challenges that come with it. And so, like in our case, how do you do with a blank sheet of paper? If you're given a blank sheet of paper and you have to create something, are you able to create it very easily? Or would you rather have something already on it and then make it better? I'd probably have something, but not a lot. Just give me something to work with to start. But if I had to create it, I could. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Something to work with to start with would, would be a little bit easier. Yeah, it's easier because we can make it better. But when there's nothing there to make better, sometimes it's just a challenge to get it going. And so if your team knows that about you, and they also know that whatever you bring them, you're going to want to make better, What the way to handle that is say, Max, here is a draft that I've come up with. Can you help me make it better? Versus bringing you a fi finished product and you're going to make it better anyways. <laughs> right? Yeah. Where I think it shows up is I think in the past I have had people, you know, give me feedback that, that I, I don't acknowledge uh, progress as much as they would like. Uh, I'm always like, okay, now, now what's next? Like, what else can we do versus great job? I can't believe we made it here. Great celebrating the the victory to get to that point. So man, this has been uh amazing. I'm going to I'm going to wrap up just so we but we I will have you back on the show again. Uh you're listening to the Built on Purpose podcast with Max Hansen brought to you by Y Scouts. You can listen to all of our future podcasts and past podcasts at yscouts.com. Gary, thanks a lot for your time today. Awesome, Max. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Built on Purpose podcast, where on each episode, we interview exceptional leaders, entrepreneurs, authors, philosophers, and some straight up interesting people to explore their outlook on life, work, and leadership. You can hear any of our previous shows 24-7 wherever you get your podcasts.